Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Bible in the Year with Pastor Steve. We are at the midpoint of our very first week, and I wanted to say congratulations. It's a great effort that you're making, and I want to encourage you to keep on going. Today's uh, readings are from Genesis chapter 11 through 16, Psalm 3, and Proverb 3. My devotional will focus on Genesis chapters 11, 12, and 13, but I will also touch on the highlights from 14, 15, and 16. Uh, just a reminder, Genesis is broken up into two major literary units. Genesis 1 through 11 comprises the primeval history, and once we get into chapter 12 and beyond, we will now be in the portion called the patriarchal history. And we will see the very first patriarch, Abraham, in our chapters today. So without further ado, let's get to the reading. Genesis chapter 11. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. As they traveled east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they lived there. They said to one another, come, let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top reaches the sky, and let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad on the surface of the whole earth. Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing will be withheld from them which they intend to do. Come, let's go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So Yahweh scattered them abroad from there on the surface of all the earth. They stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there Yahweh confused the language of all the earth. From there Yahweh scattered them abroad on the surface of all the earth. This is the history of the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old when he became the father of Arpachshad, two years after the flood. Shem lived 500 years after he became the father of Arpachshad and became the father of more sons and daughters. Arpachshad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. Arpachshad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah and became the father of more sons and daughters. Shelah lived 30 years and became the father of Eber. Shelah lived 403 years after he became the father of Eber and became the father of more sons and daughters. Eber lived 34 years and became the father of Peleg. Eber lived 430 years after he became the father of Peleg and became the father of more sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and became the father of Reu. Peleg lived 209 years after he became the father of Reu and became the father of more sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years and became the father of Serug. Reu lived 207 years after he became the father of Serug and became the father of more sons and daughters. Serug lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. Serug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor and became the father of more sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. 
Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah and became the father of more sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now this is the history of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldees, while his father Terah was still alive. Abram and Nahor married wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, who was also the father of Iscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. They went from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. They came to Haran and lived there. The days of Terah were 205 years. Terah died in Haran. Genesis chapter 12. Now Yahweh said to Abram, Leave your country and your relatives and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who treats you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as Yahweh had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai his wife, Lot his brother's son, all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they went to go in the land of Canaan. They entered into the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, Canaanites were in the land. Yahweh appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. He built an altar there to Yahweh, who had appeared to him. He left from there to go to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to Yahweh and called on Yahweh's name. Abram traveled going on toward the south. There was a famine in the land. Abram went down into Egypt to live as a foreigner there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he had come near to Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman to look at. It will happen that when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. They will kill me, but they will save you alive. Please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that my soul may live because of you. When Abram had come into Egypt, Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. He dealt with Abram for her sake. He had sheep, cattle, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Yahweh afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now therefore see your wife, take her, and go your way. Pharaoh commanded men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that he had. Genesis chapter 13. Abram went up out of Egypt, he, his wife, all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. 
Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. There Abram called on Yahweh's name. Lot also went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents. The land was not able to bear them, that they might live together, for their possessions were so great that they couldn't live together. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites lived in the land at the time. Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you? Please separate yourself from me. If you go to the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before Yahweh destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of Yahweh, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose the plain of the Jordan for himself. Lot traveled east, and they separated themselves from one another. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, and Lot lived in the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinners against Yahweh. Yahweh said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for I will give all the land which you see to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can count the dust of the earth, then your offspring may be also counted. Arise, walk through the land in its length and its width, for I will give it to you. Abram moved his tent and came and lived by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to Yahweh. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you again for this time to gather as a community to read your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our minds and our hearts so that we might see these ancient words and understand what they mean for us today and how we are to live them out in our lives to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we are now crossing the threshold from the primeval history on how it all started, right, to now uh, we are in the patriarchal portion of the history from chapters, uh, chapter 12 and beyond through the end of Genesis. Uh, and that patriarchal history, um, the word patriarch is like the fathers of uh, our faith, um, Abram is the very first of the patriarchs, then he's going to have a son Isaac, and Isaac's going to have a son Jacob, uh, and those are the main patriarchs for us. Now, in chapter 11, the very first portion from verses 1 through 9, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, it was interesting um, to note that the whole earth had one language, and it makes sense, right? Because God uh, had covered the earth with the, f with the flood and took out all of humanity and the animals, and Noah and his sons then were left to procreate and fill the earth once more. So one language makes sense. But what happened here in Babel is these people um, 
became very, very prideful and they wanted to make a name for themselves. They basically wanted to build uh, the tower, which was like a ziggurat, which is like a stepped pyramid that extended all the way into the sky so that they could basically march into to God's domain and say, hey, here we are, look what we did, good for us. Very, very prideful. And notice what their fear was. Their fear was they, they didn't want to get scattered across the globe, right? But what was the vocation that God gave humanity? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? Go and be scattered across all the earth. That was, they were uh, basically not wanting to fulfill their vocation. So God saw this. Of course, he knows what's going on. Came down and he dealt with it. Uh, and the judgment was for them to go and uh, basically go do that vocation thing that I told you to do. So what did God do to cause them to scatter from each other? He confused the languages. This is where we get the, the babble from. They were kind of like babbling in, in new tongues that the others didn't understand. So perhaps they, the like tongues gathered together and they settled somewhere. And then the other people who spoke another language went in another place and so on and so forth. Now, uh, I'm also a, a professor of earth science. I have a science background before I became a pastor. And one of the things that I like to talk about with my uh, students is that perhaps God at a point in time had Pangea, right, which is all of the continents which were meshed together into this one supercontinent. Maybe it was at that time that God started moving the plate tectonics and forced these people to separate into different land masses. Uh, and that was part of the way that he confused the languages. We don't know, but it's just a fun thing to perhaps uh, to think about to tie science in with what the, the biblical historicity uh, and the historical account is bringing forth to us. Anyway, so God confused their languages and they scattered about to go do what they're supposed to do anyway, fill the earth, multiply, and so on. And the latter part of chapter 11 is a genealogy. The Jews loved their genealogies, and they were meticulous at maintaining them. You're going to see many more genealogies uh, from this point forward, but this one is a genealogy through Shem, right? One of the sons of Noah. There were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Shem and his lineage led to Abram. Shem, uh, the people of Shem were called the Semites. Uh, you might have heard of the Semites before. Um, they led to the line of Abram. And we see Abram and his family. Terah was the, the dad, and then he had some sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, and it appeared that Haran died, right? So Abram and Nahor left uh, with their wives, and they moved into the place which they named after their fallen brother, Haran, and they settled there. And then in chapter 12, we start to see God's calling on Abram. It was through Abram that God was going to bless the world, to fill the world with descendants, right? He told Abram that he was going to make a great nation out of him, and bless him, and give him a, a place and a good name that he would bless anyone who blessed Abram. And if anyone cursed him, well, God would curse them as well. 
So Abram uh, went about as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And at a certain point, they had to uh, split up, right? In chapter 13, I'm kind of jumping ahead there, because they had so many people with them and so many cattle that they couldn't coexist in the same place and be effective at what they were doing. So they separated. But before then, Abram, uh, because of an, a famine, this is a chapter 12, verse 10 and beyond, uh, there was a famine that led Abram into Egypt. Now, if you've ever read through Genesis before, we'll see later on that the Jews wind up uh, in Egypt once again because of a famine. So this should start kind of uh, creating hyperlinks between these two stories a little bit. So they went there and Abram like, tells his wife, you know, you're so beautiful. This is a great thing to tell your, to your wives or your spouses, right? You're so beautiful that I need you to do this thing for me so that I don't get killed by Pharaoh. And he said, I need you to tell them you're my sister, right? So that they'll spare my life and we'll be able to live here in Egypt, get our food and survive until such a point in time that we could leave. And so she and he do that. They carry out that plan and God is not happy with uh, Pharaoh, right? He's kind of cursing the uh, the covenant between Abram and Sarai. So that curse is going to fall back on him and there's plagues. And once again, later on, when Israel is in Egypt, uh, how does Moses get them out of Egypt? Well, God had a series of plagues, which Moses uh, he told Moses to pronounce against Pharaoh, uh, until Pharaoh's heart was softened enough to let them go. So some similarities here between this story and what's to come later on. All right, so back to chapter 13. Abram and Lot, they wind up separating. They go their different ways. Uh, Lot winds up going towards Sodom and Gomorrah, mostly towards the Sodom location. And once again, if you've ever read through Genesis, you know that's a pretty interesting story in itself, and we're going to get to that later on. And the scripture also says here that the people in Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful. Now we're going to need to know that later on as to why God brought such judgment against them uh, when he rained down basically brimstone, uh, sulfur to, to destroy the entirety of Sodom and Gomorrah. So we're going to see that later on. Anyway, in chapter 14, there's a bit of a, a war that breaks out in the region, uh, a war that kind of Lot gets caught up into because uh, one of the kings um, that fought in this war was from Sodom. Uh, and when the other kings came against them, basically uh, Lot got swept up with the people um, and escorted away uh, from where they were living, basically as the, the booty of war, so to speak. And then Abram, well, he comes to the rescue and gets Lot back. And in chapter 15, we see the beginning of the Abrahamic covenant. It's a reiteration, basically, from the former chapter where God said, I'm going to make you a great nation, give you a great name, and multiply your descendants as numerous as the grains of sand uh, that cover the earth. So God is starting to build out this covenant with his people. And again, instead of the grains of sand bit that God used to say, I'm going to multiply your people and bless you so much and multiply you throughout the world, 
um, to bless the world, right? To kind of fill the world and subdue it and reflect God's glory. Uh, he uses some other words. He says, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. God is reiterating this promise to Abram over and over again. He's going to do it again later on. Uh, and so God says, well, we're going to make this covenant together. And he orders Abram to take some animals, some birds, cut them in half. And Abram falls in a deep sleep and God comes as this uh, burning fire pot and like a torch that passes through uh, the divided pieces of these carcasses basically to seal the covenant between him and Abram. Finally, in chapter 16, we see Hagar come into the picture. This is the concubine of Sarai. And I've done a sermon on this before, and I, I entitled it DIY Blessings, Do-It-Yourself Blessings, because you know, God had promised that he's going to multiply uh, Abram's offspring, but Abram and Sarah, Sarai, have not even had any children together. And Abram's like, hey, my my next of kin is basically this guy Eliezer in Damascus. How are you going to give me offspring? We're so old. What are you going to do for us? So anyway, they know the promise, and I believe Sarai gets uh, a little bit ahead of herself and offers the concubine to Abram to provide a uh, son for Abram because she was unable to conceive up until this point. So anyway, that happens and Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. And well, that wasn't God's plan. They were kind of trying to do it themselves. And you know, often as humans, we like to do things ourselves and kind of get ahead of what God wants for us. And it winds up backfiring a bit. But anyway, God honored Hagar um, and he honored Ishmael. He said that I'm going to make a nation out of Ishmael too. Um, but guess what? He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. And if you know anything about the Ishmaelites, uh, these are basically the or the the ancestors of the Muslim people, um, where the Prophet Muhammad basically came out of the lineage of Ishmael. Now, Abram, when he gives birth to Isaac, is going to continue the lineage of the Semites, would be the continuation of the covenant between God and Abram to fill the world with blessing, with a people that will continue to bless God and bless others and continue the project of filling the earth with God's glory. Well, friends, thanks again for tuning in to Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve. Uh, it's been a joy so far for me to um, offer this to you uh, and to share in this journey of reading the Bible in a year. So let's continue to pray for each other. Let's continue to encourage one another. And please don't forget that if you're part of our Facebook page, Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve, uh, I encourage you to continue the conversation. And maybe you had a question on another chapter that we didn't include in the devotional. Um, you know, ask a question or point something out that you thought was poignant and important. Uh, we can continue the conversation there. Well, until tomorrow, I wish you all a very blessed day. 
May God bless you and keep you.